Welcome back to Entertainment Talk. Today we're here to do another TV season review. This is going to be for the first season of Welcome to Wrexham, which is a documentary. I don't think we've ever reviewed a documentary before uh, on Entertainment Talk. We, we've talked about them here and there, but I don't think we've actually reviewed one like this. But uh, yeah, Welcome to Wrexham, which was on FX in the US and on Star on Disney Plus in the UK. Uh, I'm your host, Matthew, and joining me today, I have two people. One of them is David. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thanks. Nice. And Robert, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Doing good, doing good. All finished with work for the year, so I have more time to make stuff for the holiday break, like this stuff, and then uh, enjoy the Christmas break when that happens. Um, I was going to say we start off spoiler-free, because that's usually what we do, but um, this is documentary, so I don't think they really, there aren't really spoilers here anyway, so... Um, what I thought we'd do is obviously do a bit of a pre-talk, give our sort of like bit of our backgrounds on football maybe, what we thought of this and that type of stuff. But what I thought I'd do is I would go last with that because I do the United cast very regularly, talk about football all the time, so I'm kind of a bit more of the football person here. Um, but I'm very interested first in Robert's perspective on this. So Robert, what did you think of uh, Welcome to Wrexham? I enjoyed it very much. It was probably... Top five in any new content I've seen this year. Um, and I think a lot of that is because they focused more on the human aspect than the actual sport itself. The sport was there, but it, they were talking more about things and the people and the city and the culture. And these are all things that I can relate to. Um, and that's why I think it did so well over here in the States, because, you know, you know what we call soccer, you call football. It's here. Um, it gets played in the school level. Um, but it never really caught on. I think it's one of those oversaturation things because you've already got NFL, NHL, MLB, NBA, and just other stuff. It always just kind of gets lost in the background, except for now with the World Cup going on, obviously. Um, but the emotion around growing up playing sports, you know, having your parents take you to games and cheering – Watching that one relative get way out of hand because something happened. Um, these are all things that I've seen my whole life, both playing sports and just participating in them. Actually, kind of a random story, but it fits. I used to be a Little League baseball umpire when I was in high school. And I saw on another diamond, a grandma jumped the fence and started whacking the referee with the, her umbrella because he missed a call. That is actually something I saw. So... You know, you see these uh, tapes with the, you know, the football hooligans getting out of hand. I'm like, I've seen 90-year-old women get out of hand. What are you talking about? Um, and then you get to the parts where it's like the dad taking the kids to the game. You know, my dad took me to games. Um, and you just, it's so easy to relate to everything. And I think that's what just made it that much enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Nice. Uh, David, what did you think? Um, I, I really enjoyed it. And I mean, my sort of experience of football isn't anywhere near your sort of level. I mean, I don't I don't really follow a team. I don't watch weekly games. Um, you know, I sort of follow the World Cup, but, you know, and the national team where they're playing. So my kind of background with football is is a bit, you know, I'm not that interested in it. So I was never really kind of sure whether I was gonna enjoy this but i kind of wanted to try it because i like rob and i like ryan and i thought well it, it could be kind of interesting and i loved what they did with it 
I think you're right. It, the fact that it doesn't focus on the football, it focuses on the on the human aspect of it. It's very much about this sort of underdog club. Um, I I really really liked that, and it's sort of heart wrenching what happened to the club to get it into the position that it was. And you're rooting for them so much. It's it, I I think it was so well put together and um, interesting. And I, I and I love the way that they're trying to sort of explain things to the American audience by putting those sort of flashcard things up. And <laughs> it, it's it's just funny and clever. And um, yeah, a really interesting look at an, at an area of football which I really knew nothing about, which is those sorts of leagues that are below the leagues, you know, <laughs> that we all know. So, yeah, I, I thought it was brilliant and really entertaining, even if you're not, like, much of a football fan. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah, I agree with you both. Um, in terms of our rating system, which I'll go into for that, I'm going to give this a 10 and a strong must-see. I think this is something very very worth watching and as you both said even like you don't have to be like invested in the football specifically it's it's much more of that human side of things and um the the show tackles that from so many different angles that i really found fascinating um and from a level of football that i don't see or hear anything from um i mean i i hear hear now and again about different teams and maybe some of these teams will make it into like the FA Cup and like some of the really really early rounds because there's so much of that going on um but really focused on sort of like some of these uh players and some of the, you know the people that work there and everything and their like home lives and um because you know if, if a player moves club um if it's within like the same country or something you've got to uproot your whole family and you've got to you know if they've got kids which a good chunk of these people do um, they have to uproot all those kids and stuff, which amazes me when there, there's certain footballers like, you know, in the Spanish leagues and Italian leagues that move league and team like constantly. And it's like, you, you must just be moving your family like all the time. Uh, so that was something mm. that, that, that sort of uh, connected with me as well. Um, cause yeah, I mean, cause in, in, in football, you have a transfer window, which is from like, I think it's usually to like July to August and then one in January. So literally once roughly every six months, you can uh, move to a different club, um, and there's some players that you hear about that just move all over, like all the time, um, which wasn't quite the case here. They're not like moving to Italy and all these different places. But um, as one of you said as well, I think you said it, David, about like even if you're not invested in Wrexham themselves, or you, know, I mean, I mean, you you become invested as you watch it, and like obviously the people that attracted uh, most of the audience here is probably Ryan and Rob. Uh, you know, with being the big big film stars and being in TV shows and things like that. Those are the big sort of Hollywood A-listers. Um, for me, I really connected with this. Because this, this was a very interesting one for us to do. Because, like I said, Robert, you're off in America. Dave, you kind of, like, follow football somewhat but don't, like, support a team. And then I'm kind of the one here that's, you know, especially with British football. More, more so Premier League, but obviously British football. I've, like, grown up with this stuff and have, like, you know posters or on my walls of all the you know diff- different main United players and that type of stuff and um there was I mean this, this documentary in different ways shapes and forms um does get quite like ve- very very you know you see the human side of it and the amount of emotion that brings into it and you're hearing about like one of the people who's involved in the club like their their wife or girlfriend left them and they were dealing with that and then it's like that they find the comfort within football and 
um i can not in the exact same way but i i can relate to sort of you know finding comfort in football and you know we, we all find that in different ways within the entertainment that we watch but um and a lot of the times when this show with different people i keep almost saying characters but no these are real people <laughs> um because i'm so used to saying characters with some of these people and them saying about you know family and especially especially that sort of father-son relationship and how that ties into football and i i i got pretty emotional at that and i i can relate to that so so strongly i mean i see my dad basically every day and even if it's not to do with man united you know i i talk to him almost daily about football and I relate to that so much and um we don't watch football much like together now but we we used to and we still talk about it like loads of time and um and those even if it's just fleeting conversations about like hey what do you think of so and so's performance in that you know in that first half um it's it's something that you can really connect with people with and I thought they did such a good job with with showing that um but then also showing it not just at like a regular level at this really low league sort of level and like they touched upon you know how the town was struggling and you you know see what's going on with the local pub and things like that um because you don't always like even if you support a team you don't always think about like how's you know how's man united's local pub doing like I've, i don't think i've ever thought of you know <laughs> that type yeah. of stuff um or you know like when the uh the wheelchair user um lady like has that bus full of wheelchair users and they're trying to sort all that out and those just are things that you don't think about um i mean for most of us we we turn on you know the games at kick at kickoff watch the 90 minutes and then that's pretty much it um i mean maybe you'll catch like an after the game interview with one of the players or something and that will bring out a bit of the human side but not in not in the way that this does and what i found with, with myself personally is I mean, there's dozens of Man United documentaries out there. It's like you know, on Alex Ferguson and George Best and the club and all. You know, Wayne Rooney did one I think this year or something. There's so many of those. Um, but see, seeing this just kind of it, it made me think about football kind of a bit differently um, in terms of like, okay, how all these low league teams kind of get on, and obviously they mentioned COVID, which threw a lot of things into the air, and no fans in the ground and that type of stuff. Um, so. But no, this was a very, like, human story and, and everything, which I thought was great. Um, an interesting uh, part of this as well for me was with Rob and Ryan. And they, you know, start communicating with the with the board at the time. And say, so, like, hey, no, we want to invest in this. And they have to go through, like, the process or whatever. And it's a case of, like, can we trust these two guys to mm-hmm. uh, actually buy this? Because they, they might buy it and mess it up. Um, and it was interesting for me, like, as somebody who supports Man United and has witnessed what the Glazers have done, which we'll, we'll get into some stats and things in a bit, and just seeing, because it, it was amazing to me how, not even with just, like, with, with Zoom calls and stuff, but they, like, regularly go to these games and they're cheering and stuff like that. You never see the Glazers do that. Um, and even mm-hmm. in, with, with some of the, because um, Liverpool have had problems with, like, FSG and, you know... Uh, I think they're called the Cronkies or something, Arsenal's owners. You don't normally see owners at like Premier League games because I mean, for the Glazers, they're like they're off in America. They're not they're not even here. Um, so seeing because you, usually you look at those sort of like CEO level people and they're usually just like off somewhere in in some office in some place. But with Ryan and Rob being in the ground and 
not feeling like these like when you saw the way they acted and um you know that the way that they behaved around the, around these people they didn't feel like you know these big too important uh, you know people that were too important or whatever that were in suits like they just felt like they they just fit right in with with everybody else and it's it's so nice to see football owners like that i thought that was that was really quite great so um have you got anything else you want to say or should we take a quick break and then uh, get into some of my some of my notes or was there anything else you wanted well, to, to just mention? going real quick back to when you talk about players moving around uh-huh. uh living in a, a football town i do see that a lot there's actually a term for it over here in the states it's called a journeyman player to where they've been all over the place um and i actually looked it up while you were talking because i was curious about that uh, there's an NFL quarterback whose name is uh, Josh Johnson, and in the span of 2008 to 2019, he played on 15 different NFL teams. <laughs> Jesus, there's Christ. only 32 teams in the league. <laughs> so that's insane. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> that's for the owners, Matt. I've, I've talked about this a couple of times on the various podcasts. The Colts, which is the team here in Indy, uh, the owner is kind of eccentric. What's the old line from uh, Speed? Broke people are crazy. I'm eccentric because I'm rich. Um, yes. He's very eccentric. Um, he is a massive collector of uh, musical memorabilia. His personal collection is probably worth like $100 million if I had to even roughly ballpark it. He spent $5 million on the piano that uh, John Lennon wrote Let It Be On. So, But he doesn't just hoard it. He lends it out to museums all the time. Um, he'll set up his own museum and run fundraisers for it. Um, he's always like, you know, donating to charity for this, that, and the other. Um, weird dude, cool dude, but a weird dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice. Um, yeah, one thing I was going to ask you specifically, Robert, is like, because um, obviously the, the the American football that you follow over there obviously functions completely different mm-hmm. to um, what you'd call soccer, what we'd call football over here. Um, how did that specific element kind of kind of compare? Like the way things are run, and I remember you've talked about like with American football, we're doing drafts and all this other kind of yeah. stuff. Um, well, American football is a spectacle. Every bit of it is a spectacle. Actually, I don't know if it's shown over where you guys are, but on Amazon Prime now, they have the Thursday night game, which is actually going to start here in about three hours. And there's four channels of it. There's the channel... There's the the channel with like the invited um, you know celeb of the week with, that does commentary. There's the channel in uh, alternate languages, and then there's the NFL stats channel. So it, it literally looks like a video game with the players running around showing their path lines for the routes they're running, and the the circles come up on a player, and it'll show like all their stats in real time. Um, this has been heavily heavily promoted by Amazon to sell their um, their world their web services and their uh their server capacity for you know crunching data and stuff like that um the draft is a huge party every year they make a big spectacle out of it um but yeah it it is a non-stop go 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 kind of a thing but it's also very lucrative i mean it con the tv contracts alone are somewhere in the neighborhoods of like 20 billion and that's just the tv kind that counts nothing out that doesn't count ticket sales um concessions parking nada just the league itself collects about 20 billion just in the tv rights and then all gets distributed evenly to the teams and that's how they pay the salaries and the nfl teams are huge organizations 
players mm-hmm. there's 53 coaches probably another 100 depending on the levels trainers probably another 20 they actually have what they call the practice squad which is a full another NFL team of people that probably not going to make it to the league but they're there to help train to run routes with the other players and sometimes if somebody gets injured and they're they're weak in a position they might elevate a person up from the practice squad um yeah it's the whole building operation probably three to four hundred three to four hundred people per team uh depending on how big it is and then of course you got all the the social media stuff you got the uh regular media stuff you got the tv rights the tv broadcasters you got the local radio people because um for the people that can't watch or don't want to watch it um you can listen to it on the radio and they got a whole nother team for that um so it's a massive massive operation there's a reason why it makes so much money. Mm, definitely, yeah. Um, but yeah, one one thing you said to me before. I think this was when the three of us had started watching Welcome to Wrexham. You said about like going up and down different leagues and how different yeah. that is as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, what was the what's the difference with that? Uh, well, the thing is, the the league is the league. The NFL has thirty two teams. Occasionally, teams might move between divisions. So you got the AFL and the uh, the AFC and the NFC, and those are the two divisions. And then each division is split into four subdivisions. So AFC and NFC both have north, south, east, and west. And that's you're in that subdivision, and that's your primary opponents. And then you play in the same primary division, and you'll play those, and then occasionally you'll play people in other divisions. And so the, pl- the postseasons are all set up um, – based off of wins um and occasionally teams like if they move a city um and teams move city every now and then uh hasn't happened in a while but it's the reason sports sports teams moving cities is why it's the los angeles lakers because they were originally in minnesota and minnesota is known as the the state with a thousand lakes and that's why uh the utah jazz the basketball team uh, they were originally in new orleans new orleans is known for jazz music um but that Utah, hasn't happened. Not so much. <laughs> no, not so much. Not with the 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 math. for people that in the UK that don't know, it's uh, Utah is a very heavily uh, Mormon state in the religion, and they're, they're not big fans of music. No. Um, so they move cities. Yeah, they move cities. The yeah. Indianapolis yeah. Colts was originally in Baltimore, and the team that's now in Baltimore was originally in Cleveland, that's but weird. they like Cleveland kept the name. Um, so they didn't change any it's, of the names for Cleveland Browns. To, to put it into perspective for you, Matt. It's basically if if somebody came along with loads of money that lived in London and said mm-hmm. they wanted to buy Manchester United, they'd buy Manchester United and move it to London. Yeah, essentially. that That's what they would do. So they'd become London United instead. Yeah. And doesn't matter how long you win, how much you win, unless the league decides... They need to rebalance for whatever reason. You stay in the same division. A perfect example of that is last year's Super Bowl had the Cincinnati Bengals in it. Um, Forget going to the Super Bowl. That was that team's first postseason win since 1991. (laughs) That's how long they've been basically in the gutter. And then one year they go on a hot-ass run and make it to the Super Bowl and damn near win the thing. Um, And I was actually rooting for them just because of that underdog thing. And that's... I think another reason why that show resonates so well is because 
Definitely. There's always underdog stories. Mm. There's so many movies from Hollywood with underdog stories. But yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the difference with the American system, I think, from what you're saying is that all divisions are equal. And yeah. in terms of the money, it's spread equally amongst everybody. Yeah. And the, so, the draft is set to be equal as well because the per, the team that has the worst record gets the first pick in that, in that year's draft for the next year. And yeah, the team for the first round. After that, yeah. there's a lot of horse trading going on. Mm-hmm. But there's there's none of the there's none of this sort of ranked division stuff of if you're rubbish, you fall out the bottom of the league and you you're financially worse off because you're in a lower league. There's all all divisions are are equal in American football. Yeah, and financially there's America- no division. Um, unofficially, there's a lot of pointing and snickering for some teams for being bad as long as they have been. Um, but there's no like official you are a lesser league. Um, occasionally yeah. you'll get the uh, the idiots at the sports bars arguing whether or not a college team could beat the beat the worst NFL team, but <laughs> hmm. yeah, yeah. And I mean, the college football thing is obviously a big thing over there, but that's sort of an entirely separate entity. Yeah, but and college but... football is basically just the minor league. So what's below Premier League? Championship. Um, yeah, championship. Yeah. And then about League Two, two dozen... and whatever else after that. Yeah, about two dozen colleges are basically feed, are basically the champion league that are feeding into the NFL. It's like if you look, if you watch the NFL and they do the introductions, you'll see the same colleges over and over again, um, because those colleges are built to create NFL players, and they happen to have schools there. Hmm. Yes, it's like you watch the opening ceremony for an Ohio State or a Michigan football game. There's a hundred plus thousand people there every home game hmm. see how it works with Premier League and stuff obviously you've got so you've got 20 teams in the Premier League uh, 18, 19 and 20 get relegated to championship obviously top spot wins the league places second and third and first get guaranteed Champions League football fourth spot qualifies for like a knockout round that they have to qualify for Champions League and then they've changed it around a little bit but like I think it's fifth, sixth and seventh get um was called Europa League, which is European football, but the second tier. And then there's a new, relatively new, I think it's only a couple of years old, third tier called, um, what's actually called again? Uh, not Europa League, um, Conference League or something like that. And uh, it, how it's how it sort of works is if you're fifth, sixth or seventh, you either get Conference League or Europa League, depending on who wins like the FA Cup. Um and then obviously, like I said, 18, 19, 20 um, get relegated. So if you're between, let's say, 8th and 17th, you've just finished sort of. That's technically mid-table. Um, and then how it works in the championship, obviously, if you're in a championship, you don't qualify for the Champions League because there's no way that would work. You do the same thing Wrexham did, which is if you finish, obviously, if you finish top of the championship, you get promoted to the Premier League, then you do have a chance to, um, you're not then put into the, Champions League, you have to qualify for that, which if you're a new championship team, good luck. Um, and then uh, how it works is so that I think it's the same thing with like second, third and fourth or something like that. Get put into the playoffs, which you saw Rex and play. And I think from every league, championship lower works that way with the playoffs. Because essentially, OK, you've got to get three teams promoted. Um, so you work it out that way and that, like the the top spot 
gets automatic promotion and obviously wins the actual you know championship or whether it's league one league two um and obviously if you finish 18 19 or 20 in championship you go down to league one then there's league two so that's how that sort of works um but if you're in the championship league one or league two you still play in the fa cup but i noticed with wrexham because they're in like the non-league thing it's called the fa trophy which i'd kind of heard of before i suppose that's like the non-league version of the fa cup which is kind of interesting Mm. and then there's also uh so if you're in the premier league uh championship league one or league two you also get put in the carabao cup but how how it also works numbers wise um so so for somebody like man united or man city or chelsea liverpool and big teams they'll usually be in four competitions which will be premier league so it's 38 games runs from august till may and this is a world cup that interrupts everything um or pauses everything then they're in the champions league which has got group stages knockout rounds quarterfinal semi-final final then the fa cup which is one-off knockout rounds like you saw the same structure with uh how Wrexham were doing their um both the uh playoffs and the fa trophy that's the knockout things and then there's a carabao cup which is considered like a slightly worse version of the fa cup they're, they're both sort of like the english knockout round things um, but I think with the with the FA Cup, that usually starts a bit earlier for the Championship League 1, League 2, because they don't have European games, so where that time is filled out is... Uh, so Man United and teams like that, they don't play the earlier rounds of the FA Cup. They sort of let the, the lower league teams fight that out. And then when that gets... Usually for the Premier League teams, that starts off in like January. So where you've started the season in August, you've been able to knock out some of them teams in those games played from like October to December and while you have that time period the bigger teams will play the European games um, but how it's also worked out a little bit as well because there's no European games um, for the championship they have I, th- I think it's like 24 teams or something so they have, that's where you get those little there's different little gaps that are filled out in different ways um, that's kind of how that works there's, there's little changes to things every now and again um, like how they, they how they structure uh, because the conference league is i think it's only like two or three years old it's very very new um but that the conference league was essentially made so that bt could air more football <laughs> sort of so that they'd have well, yeah. uh, the same B, reason why they BT... do uh, thursday night games and the sunday night yeah. game yeah. and the monday yeah. night game and there's actually three games saturday this week um yeah. to fill out space from other things so mm-hmm. they they get football on tv and it makes yeah. an insane amount of money yeah. What See, what I find interesting about this is the 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 whole idea of the sort of promotion and relegation tying it back to the show was the was the entire reason that Rob got interested in buying the football team in the first place. Um the 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 background to sort of Rob actually kind of ending up approaching Ryan and getting it together and actually kind of approaching Wrexham to buy the club was because Humphrey, who is the person that ended up going, becoming executive director, who is um, an actor and the husband of one of the creators of Mythic Quest. Um, he used to watch football in the Mythic Quest writer's room and Rob used to see him watching it and was like, what the hell's this? And and was sort of explaining the rules to him. And it was the whole idea of the sort of promotion relegation thing of just that being such a brutal, like, you know, what could happen to your team? 
um, was yeah. just incredible to him and and was the sort of that was part of the thing that started to getting invested in the the sport in the first place. So I think, yeah, I, I, I just I found that kind of fascinating that because and that's like you say, it's it's such a key difference between the American football system and the British football system is is the fact that you have this really brutal setup of okay, well you're rubbish and now you've got less money because you've dropped down a league. Mm-hmm. So yeah. It's it's really quite harsh. And it was that that sort of piqued Rob's interest of like um, you know, because there are real stakes to it at that point. Mm-hmm. Something you might be interested. Oh, something you might both yeah. be interested to know as well. Um, usually with Premier League teams, if you've got like up and coming academy players which you've promoted for the first team, a lot of the time, um, because of how fast and physical the Premier League is, <clears throat> which obviously it isn't where Wrexham are playing, a lot of like younger ish sort of players uh, will get. Um, will get loaned out to the championship because it's known for being able to build up like like instead of let's say Man United loaning a player out to Everton or Nottingham Forest or something obviously Nottingham Forest are in the Premier League now they will loan a player out to the championship it, it is most often the championship than anywhere else um because yeah. of that physicality which is which is quite interesting so um because we, we've done it quite well. a few times yeah, it makes sense yeah. as well because there, yeah, you know, the lower leagues are going to be better training ga- grounds mm-hmm. for those younger players because, as good as those younger players might be, they're not going to be the level of your top Premiership stars. So the chances of them actually getting games in the Premiership, whilst you know the training might be quite useful and and that sort of stuff, if they want them to actually get on the pitch and play, you're much better off loaning them out to a lower level club because they're actually got a good chance of actually being on the pitch and playing, I would mm-hmm. have thought. You also keep them in the country as well, as well, opposed to yes. loading them out to like an Italian team or something like that. So yeah. um, there's that. Uh, speaking of rules, which we've kind of uh, pointed out a little bit, obviously I know the offside rule. Do both of you understand the offside rule? Not even a little. <laughs> kind of. I know it's got something to do with the position of the... Um, of of the the two players when the ball is kicked forward towards the goal, isn't it? But I I can't explain it in like proper detail. Yeah, it's basically when I, when a uh, attacking player is ahead of best way to describe it is defensive line. Trying trying to describe this over audio is very difficult. Uh, yes. And the player that has passed it to them is the other side of the defence. And usually, so sometimes you'll have like, oh, that player played so-and-so onside or or something like that. Something I've kind of noticed in the last, since like VAR has been introduced to football, something I've kind of noticed is if a player's like making a forward run and they point and they say, hey, I want the ball. If you're, because um, it, can, it can be, you see like, in Premier League and stuff, when VAR VAR gets introduced, it can be the the smallest piece of somebody's body, or like their their boot, or their hair, or something, or like the the way they they do the lines and stuff to to call it offside. It doesn't have to be your whole body. It can be like a millimeter of your foot, if that. Um, like it can be the the tiniest of of margins. Um, something that I think they should change in football actually is, and you can't use your arms anyway. If you are pointing forward as a player, 
right? So your arm, not your whole body, but your arm is past that defensive line and you get the ball past you. I don't think that should actually count as offside because you can't use your arm anyway. Mm-hmm. And um, if the rest of your body, so like your head, chest and legs and feet, which you are allowed to use, uh, is behind the line, I don't think that should actually count. And it's quite annoying sometimes when... I don't know, like the, the way a player's arm is, like their their elbow is offside or something, but they're not even <laughs> intended to point with their elbow or, like, or anything like that. It's just the way that their arm is at that point. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's since VAR has been introduced, it's gotten a little bit very... Uh, uh, well, sorry. And the thing just, is, is the, the NFL does have offsides as a penalty rule, but the thing is, is with the ball being in a fixed position before the play starts... It's very easy to see when somebody is or isn't offsides. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. But Matt, we're getting off topic. You're now just complaining about VAR and the offsides rule. <laughs> right. Yeah. I was just seeing if you what you both understood from it. So uh anyway, let's take a quick break, we'll do some housekeeping, we'll come back and then get into my some of my other notes. See you all in a minute. Today's sponsor is Manscaped. You can get 20% off with your order with Manscaped by using the promo code that we've got with them, which is ETALKUK. That's E-T-A-L-K-U-K to get 20% off your order and free shipping with Manscaped. They sell various different men's grooming products from shavers, razors, ear and nose head trimmers, different clothes and deodorants. You don't even need to Google Manscaped themselves. You can click on the link in your show notes, whether you're on a podcast player or the website. Uh, version of the episode and you can go and click on that link in the show notes that's also got the promo code written in the show notes as well so you can either copy and paste the promo code etalkuk etalkuk you can either copy and paste that into your show notes or type it in in the promo code box and click apply that will get you 20 percent off your order with manscaped and free shipping first hand quality professional with manscaped from their packaging to the items themselves even the way the items are stored in the packaging is very very first class very professional so no questions about manscapes quality thanks very much to manscape for sponsoring entertainment talks podcast and thank you very much for listening hi there if you're looking to get started with a website of your own and a domain name we've got good news for you with our affiliate link with kualu you can click on that link which is in your show notes which is for our affiliate link you can go over to kualu to get started with your website and domain name today they've also got a very handy chat support system which is usually in the bottom right hand corner to send messages back and forth to kualu if you'd like to ask them for help to get started with your domain name and website today so that's kualu and you can use them to get started with your website and domain name today thank you very much to kualu for this affiliate link Hi there, if you'd like to get rid of the ads in Entertainment Talks podcasts and listen to the ad-free versions of our episodes, we've got good news for you there as well. You can subscribe to Entertainment Talk at either the $5 level tier or $10 level tier. The $5 level tier will get you access to all of Entertainment Talk's previous ad-free podcasts and the future ad-free podcasts that we make in the month that you're subscribed for. If you also subscribe to us at the $10 level tier, that will get you that benefit that I've just mentioned, and it'll also grant you access to request a review for two episodes of a TV show and a general discussion on that show, or a film review of your choice. So if if there's a TV show out there or a film that we've not covered perhaps and you'd like our opinion on it, we can watch two episodes of that TV show or film review. So it's one of either of those per month. Of course, if you continue subscribing each month, you can pick a TV show, then a film the next month and so on and so forth. This is a great way to support Entertainment Talk, get your ad-free podcasts and also get some reviews of your choice. 
Thank you very much for supporting us, and thank you for listening. Back to the show. Alright, so recently on Entertainment Talk, uh, there hasn't been as much content this week. I'm preparing and recording uh, a few things, uh, such as the Classic Reviews episode, which I've almost finished doing, and of course our other series, which starts in January or continues in January, which is called A Month of Positive Creators. I know what I'm going to be recording for all those things, I just need to uh, finish doing that off. Um, But some things I have uh, recorded this week is a Don't Skip Review uh, for Dead to Me Season 3. David, you watched that show. Have you finished... That I haven't season? even started season oh, three yet. Okay. I, I'm, okay. I've got a whole bunch of Netflix things that I've got to go through because okay. I, I just there's so much stuff that I missed while I was away. So right. I'm, uh, I'm trying to catch up now. Okay, but I gave it a don't skip review. Um, did a spoiler-free spoiler split for that. It's supposed to be the final season and has a very interesting ending. So uh, yeah, let me know when you've finished that, David, because I'm I'm curious on your thoughts on the on the ending. Well, um, gaming talk this week, uh, last one for the year that we had, which is, uh, we talked about the game of the year winners. We previously did, you know, predictions and things like that for what would win and get announced. Uh, there was also a bit of acquisition trouble. The FTC, I think is the initials, uh, are currently in the process of suing Microsoft over the acquisition of, uh, Activision Blizzard. We'll see what happens from all that. And of course, Xbox itself was kind of a no-show at uh, at the Game Awards. And Phil Spencer, uh, they cut the camera over to him a few times and he didn't look particularly happy about things. Uh, speaking of other announcements at the Game Awards, they did indeed announce a brand new Crash Bandicoot game. It's called Crush Team Rumble, which is the same initials as Crash Team Racing. This is the spiritual successor, you could say, to Crash Bash, which is the PS1 party game. So this is kind of a new reimagined party game for the Crash Bandicoot series, so we talked all about all of that and uh, some other stuff as well. Uh, the MCU keeps putting out content, which is always a good thing. Uh, I did a must-see review for the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, which I did do a spoiler-free, spoiler-split section for that. It's a 45-minute holiday special. It's another one of their special presentation things uh, on Disney+, Plus. the other one being the Werewolf by Night. Just these short sort of like special episode things they've done. Uh, this one is sort of an in-between thing for Guardians of the Galaxy, in-between Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and 3, uh, which James Gunn, who may or may not have been in the headlines this week, um, is uh, of course directing the upcoming third and final Guardians film. But that's the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, and if you're looking for something fun, because it was definitely fun to watch this holiday season, recommend going and checking that out. Uh, speaking of things... Wrapping up as well, me and David concluded our coverage for now uh, of the Walking Dead series wrap-up. The seri- the, fr- the franchise will continue with the spin-offs, but for the main Walking Dead show, um, that is wrapped up for now. So the 11th episode, of, uh, sorry, 24th episode of season 11, series finale came out the week after we did that series wrap-up. Some comic book comparisons, whatnot, all that type of stuff. Um, did a don't skip review as well you might have heard of a game this week called god of war ragnarok uh did a don't skip review for that same usual format with that uh series finale review for the walking dead season 11 episode 24 you can check out that podcast as well um avatar is actually out tomorrow isn't it i uh, did a preview podcast a little while ago um for avatar the way of the water did some predictions on you know what might happen in the story all that type of stuff um yes apparently it's three hours 12 minutes there's a there's a lot of things going on with that film uh and that's pretty much everything we've been doing on entertainmenttalk.org and on podcast platforms let's talk about some numbers and owners 
because I looked up some things. Um, so as I said already about Rob and Ryan and their presence, of course, uh, Rob McElhenney, Ryan Reynolds, um, about their presence as owners, which is something I really liked seeing because, you know, I don't see the Glazers that often. Not that I really want to see them per se, but it's about that that human presence at uh, at the clubs that they own. Um, so we've seen them a bunch of games. They got really involved and you know, the town really liked them and ended up trusting them, all that sort of stuff, which was good. Um, so two diff two very different uh, numbers that I I ended up researching. Uh, Rob and Ryan brought Wrexham for two point three five million and have invested approximately one point two million. Because of course they, in they invested some money into buying, you know, players like Paul Mullen, who turned out pretty good, and obviously you know invested money into uh, it's not just players and things that you buy, but uh, upgrades to the stadium and all that type of stuff, which Old Trafford is. Uh, not in a very good state. Don't know if some of you've seen some recent photos of Old Trafford, but uh, it could use a it could use a paint job. It could use a paint job. Old Trafford. Uh, speaking of Man United, the Glazers. Um, I've never invested money into Man United apart from when they bought them, but they loaned that money out. Um, I'm going to get you to both guess this a little bit. It's in the region of one to two billion. How much money do you think the Glazers have taken from Manchester United? What would be your rough guess? Probably 70% of it, if I had to guess. Mm. Just based off the way you talk about him. <laughs> David, what do, you, what do you think, roughly? Yeah, I, it's going to be some horrific amount because of the fact that I, I would say, yeah, 70% of it seems not unreasonable, given, I mean... I, there was there was some really dodgy way in when they bought it at the moment by dumping the debt back on the club. I seem to remember as well. Um, yeah, pretty when, much. Um, so they were effectively leveraging their stock <clears throat> in the club by dumping the debt back on it. So effectively, they were paying the 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 club was paying to sell itself to the Glaciers. Um, it, it was a really screwed up situation. I seem to remember. I mean, it's and it's only got worse from that point. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's gone, it's gone, it's gone quite badly from an ownership standpoint. Um, for what what I've researched, of course, I don't know the exact number because it's going to be changing all the time. Uh, One point eight billion was the last um, number that I found, which is how, how much. Uh, I don't know if that's just dividends because they take a little slice of the pie every. I don't know how often it is they they change it every every sort of few months they take like twenty million in here twenty thirty million here another twenty another thirty um they've owned man United I think it's sixteen going on seventeen years now um that debt that you spoke of is still there. I don't know what that debt is now apparently it's gone up a little bit, which taken one point eight billion um the debt is i think less than one billion it's like I think the last time I checked, it was like six or seven hundred million, something like that. But it's it's changing all the time because they sort of pay off a bit of it with the club's money, then take out dividends from the club, so helps their their pockets. Um, they're very they're very bad owners. Yeah. Um, there was talking also, about no, talking about uh, numbers and money, just as a comparison uh, uh -huh. for NFL players, uh, the punter and kicker, which is the least uh, profiled position player, those players on average make about $3 million a year. Uh, the quarterback position, which huh. is the highest prestige, that averages between 16 and $18 million a year. Uh, for stadiums, the Bengals, who I mentioned earlier, uh, they haven't had an upgrade in their stadium for three decades. 
And so they have a for their first assessment for their upgrade. And in just basic repairs, uh, the fir- the architecture firm that they hired is recommending almost $500 million in repairs. <laughs> Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm not being hyperbolic when I say there is a epic shit ton of money in the NFL. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the long story short is Glazers took out a lot of money. I haven't invested any. The stadium needs upgrades. Um, I saw a photo a couple of months ago of like a back part of the stadium and the wall is uh, looking very um, plain. And there was a leak in the in the roof for like a year and a half. And people actually got wet from it because rain was coming through the stadium. Um, and they've just sort of not bothered to, to fix any of it. But then if they commissioned it to be fixed, they, they're they not paying for that. They're, they're taking it out of May United's money. Which, um, so d- just for like, if anybody ever says to you or says to me, Man United don't have a lot of money. They they do. <laughs> it's just that uh, the way it gets used. Um, but anyway, with with Rob and Ryan, like I said, because um, it isn't all just about you know how much money gets put in and out and that sort of stuff. It's also it is about personality. And every now and again, you'll see Joel because they're called Joel Avram and Malcolm. Those are the those are the names of the Glazers. Just to actually because they're just known as the Glazers. People don't really know their individual names. You'll see them now and again, um, and that's what I was speaking about earlier with like um, Ryan and and Rob, and they they were going to like what almost every game they're they're at pretty much. There was a there was like one or two games they couldn't attend because they had um, obligations in the US because they do still have their own things they're working on. Because obviously Rob's working on TV, Ryan's trying to get Deadpool three done, I suppose. Um, so they weren't like always in, in the in the country or in in Wrexham but um just yeah, as a Man United fan watching Robin Ryan operate this club and and be there and be a presence it was just such a massive stock difference yeah. um what 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 do you what do you both think of i i guess the glazers compared to to Robin Ryan there's there's some big differences between the two of them obviously <laughs> i don't know the glazers so i really couldn't comment on that okay yeah, I mean, I, I don't know them particularly well, but I mean, I, I know of them from uh, having sort of worked in Manchester when they were, um, you know, around that time. And, you know, when they sort of started to take over, I think I was actually in Manchester when when the Glazers bought it. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, I, I remember a lot of them being very upset at the time and you know the management up there just haven't been good at all um and as you say you don't see them at games whereas one of the one of the key selling points for this because i mean Wrexham was in a really unique position in the fact that the club was owned by the fans because they'd actually almost gone into insolvency and and it had been saved by the fans and uh, they'd got the Supporters Trust, which is this sort of fan-operated company. So when they came, when Rob and Ryan come in and say, you know, we want to invest in the club, and the, the, it's the fans that they're actually talking to, you know, because mm-hmm. it is them that are the club management at that point. So it's a really interesting, quite unique position with Wrexham uh, that that 
yeah, because usually you be, it be deals done with you know whoever happens to own the club, which is probably another businessman. In this particular case, you are dealing directly with the fans of the club, and I think that's one of the great things about the show is there is such this this massive heart to this club oh, yeah. that is what sort of drives you to it, and you can see how wary they are of these two Hollywood people coming in and saying we want to take over and and making sure that they're doing it for exactly the right reasons and they show throughout the series that they are they're not just doing this because it's you know we're buying this to make a tv show or well yeah we'll buy it and if we don't like manage to um get them promoted by the end of the season you know then we'll go off and do something else it's they're not buying it as an executive toy they're not buying it as just a side plaything. they are very much invested in it and i think part of that is again is humphrey the who they is sort of the regular presence there mm. that they bought in as who who is as I say he's husband he's an actor um he's a football fan he is a fan of Wrexham and he is um the only reason he's involved in any of this is because of the fact that his wife created mythic mythic quest with uh <laughs> you know Rob so um you know it, it he's his Humphrey's journey is kind of weird because he's suddenly thrust into sort of executive director of this football club. Um, but I think part of it comes from him as well. Is the fact that, you know, I think they'd had conversations about if you're going to do this, you have to be serious about it and you have to be, you know, you have to actually care. And Rob talks a lot about in the show uh, about the fact that, you know, he's um, from a very sports orientated town you know he's uh philadelphia yeah born in philadelphia and and you know he's he's very much grown up with with that sort of sports background so he kind of although the environment is obviously very different because philadelphia is not at all like wrexham but there is a sort of vibe to it you know that it is a very philly in some areas is a very gritty blue collar town um, yeah, some areas not so much, but a lot of it is. Hmm. So from that standpoint, there are similarities, you know, and yeah. sport is important in those yeah. environments. So, interesting side note for the NFL: the the team owners are actually self-organized, and they can come into committee and force another owner out and force him to sell the team. Really. Yeah, that's going on right now with the Washington Generals and Dan Snyder, because apparently, I don't know all the details, but apparently he's a not good person. We'll just leave it at that. And so they're trying to force him out. Wow. Mm, forcing owners out of football clubs. I, like I knew you would that. like that. Yeah. 16 years too late, but anyway. Um, so, uh yeah, one other thing I, I liked about Robin Ryan as well is there would be the occasional, like, thing. Lots of different things that they sort of come across and they're not sure about. And sometimes in, in a bit of a comedic way, because they're both kind of, like, quite funny. And someone will mention to them either something about the, the game itself or, like, some sort of process or, you know, whatever it would be. And their willingness to sort of just, like, 
okay, we don't quite understand this thing. We'll be a little bit like <clears throat> funny towards it because that's kind of their their personality, but their willingness to actually like learn about different things as well. Not not mm-hmm. just sit there. It wasn't just the case that like cause as we said about that their sort of passion for this. This this wasn't just we're gonna buy this club. We're going to put money into it, but like stay on the sidelines, stay in America and just operate it from the sidelines. Um, and like even when you see them sort of walking around and they, I, I think a few of the fans came up with like, well, lots of different songs for lots of different things. Um, I, I, I love the different football chant uh, scenes within this as well. It was, it was really, really great, which you don't always re- you don't you never really get to hear that on 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 the TV. Like when you're watching football, like a lot of that stuff yeah. gets sort of. Yeah. crap drowned out but uh that when they were coming up with different songs for them and just just uh, just that sort of like that that love and that care and and everything i thought that was that was great from both of them um and also from again from that kind of like british to american perspective perspective trying like watching these two american people try to learn about something that you know that, that i know about or whatever um and then seeing the other people try to try to explain different things to them um i think that there was there was like a couple of times uh, throughout the series, I think there was a bit in the was it the FA Trophy final where like the, the, they think that they've scored and then like um, the, the offside came up and they hadn't quite realised straight away and, and things like that. Um, and then I remember I think there was there was a scene a bit earlier in the season when um, somebody who was sitting with them turned around like no that doesn't count that's off, off, offside and tried try to explain that to them. Um, or, or even sometimes as football fans, you get you know you, you get excited in that, and that, and you look away from the screen because the goal's been scored, uh, and you know realize it's offside. So they they were getting caught up in those moments, which is still nice, but it's uh, you know you have that realization afterwards. Because I think there was wasn't there a point in the I think the the FA trophy where, where they did equalize. I think it was very late on or something, and they like turned around to each other and started celebrating and realized it was offside. Um, so yeah. yeah, kind of yeah, kind of some of those moments as well. Yeah, you get that in the NFL as well with the penalties. Some penalties stop play, some penalties don't. So you'll get a play to where um, if it doesn't stop penalty, uh, they just continue to play. And then something big happens, and the person that had the big thing happen is all celebrated, and somebody has to come up and like, uh, there's a penalty, that don't count. Mm. The fans see it right away because that's the reason why they throw that giant yellow flag in the air is so that everybody (laughs) can see it. And if you're watching at home on TV, the the, uh, Chiron – which shows all the schools and what will literally a section of it yellow and just say flag. So that way you don't get too invested into it. Mm, yeah. Um, speaking of uh, some of the process of them doing things, I liked seeing, cause it, again, this is something that you, you never really see um, was when they were sorting out some of the kits. I thought that was quite interesting. Cause again, as a main United fan, you, you're not there seeing like them go through different, kits and and what they want you just see man united post a photo of here's a new kit that's it that's what you're wearing this 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 year that's what the players are wearing especially when they came up with the horrible yellow lime away kit that we've got this year it was like oh great watch the team playing that for a year um but when they showed like uh i think they had different cardboard cutout things or whatever and they they were going through a couple of designs um so i thought that was that was kind of interesting because, uh, again, as somebody who sees a lot of different teams come up and and you know play and that sort of stuff, th- there's certain kits that you look at, and like people get paid to to design these things, and you you'd see I mean, some of the worst co- uh, combinations of colours is like when you have like yellow and green and all the all these like horrible sort of colours and. 
you, you look at that sometimes and you just, you're just like, how have... Like, and, and kits have started kind of getting worse in certain areas. But then when you... you know, I, I thought Wrexham's kits looked looked pretty nice. They had, what, the red and then they had, the, I think, the blue as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even the moment, like, in... I think it was in the season finale, if not the episode before. And uh, this was when, like, I think, all the all the results had been decided and uh, a few that you know the actual kits had, had come through and they got to, to see them I thought that was again you know as somebody who just sees May United posting photos of it and then that's it I thought this was a that was a interesting kind of it was only a small snippet of it but I found it kind of interesting um, and you saw them kind of going through that a bit because you, you never see that from from uh, uh, normal situations um, yeah and weirdly we... you do see that a lot with NFL to where they'll do one game where they'll call it a rush color it's like extreme high contrast or they'll do a throwback game and all the players are wearing uniforms like they were in the 50s and 60s and then you just get <laughs> random stuff to where the Bengals had a couple of games where their their uniforms were white with black stripes and it was giving off you know Siegfried and Royd vibes from the color combination um, and I suffered from that as well the high school uh, for people in the UK high school is the schooling you do between 14 and 18 years old um, our school colors were maroon and gold and yes, it's way uglier than it sounds hearing that out. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's some kits I look at, and this is like, what? This is just so ugly. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, David, any thoughts on the the kits bits that they showed and that? No, it, it kind of interesting that you know they're bringing out sort of shades of color, and yeah, you're like, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, you. Uh, don't sort of like you say you don't really see that so i thought it was that was kind of interesting mm. um i mean the, the there was some great bits throughout the show rather than just the sort of yeah the the kit stuff i i rather like the just the structure of it and the my favorite thing used to be the um the explanations the the explanation cards that they <laughs> used to put up yeah um which which had it sort of you know it was uh, you know, they'd say sort of football and then, uh, you know, it would be a US flag and then soccer and then there'll be a Welsh flag and whatever the football or is in Welsh, you know, you don't. So you get that and you get them like they get progressively sillier as well. Uh, I, I rather like that. And um, also the Welsh translator who was hilarious throughout the entire thing yeah. as well. Um, and uh, they apparently have released some Christmas stuff. Uh, which have got like various Welsh translations on, and and they've they've done them in such a way that they've sort of told they they're sort of presenting it as having told Robin Ryan that they say one thing, and like you know, so there's like a canvas print that of a sheep that says that he's got a Welsh phrase on it, and it says this sheep knows more about football than Robin Ryan <laughs> when you translate it into English and stuff. So, yeah. There's, uh, there's, I, I, that I found very, very funny. The sort of playing around with the Welsh stuff, I thought was great. Definitely. Yeah, and you got to be able to laugh at yourself with things like that. Yeah, yeah, and Welsh is an incredibly like tricky language to learn as well. I mean, some of the words are just <laughs> insane. So, cool. Um, there was two other things I was going to do, which is talk about Paul Mullen because he became a very, very important player for uh for x and he started scoring loads of goals did either of you hear about uh what he did recently no um wait this i think this was just after rishi sunak was appointed prime minister 
and he put on his uh boots i think it, it said fuck the tories or something and somebody <laughs> i come i don't know who at Wrexham, but somebody was like you can't wear those and then there was a social media post from them i think like several weeks to maybe maybe a month later and they were celebrating like muller had scored or, or muller had uh had scored or something and i was like hey is there anything that mullen can't do and uh, all the comments were like yeah wear, wear a certain pair of, pair of boots. <laughs> boots so uh and yeah. from a league standpoint i do understand that because yeah. your goal in the league is to get as many fans as possible and i know bare bones about uk politics but there's one thing is universal if you put something like that on at best you're only going to piss off half the fans and you don't want half the fans leaving. You know what happens when you piss off the fans and they leave? G4. Right, yeah. Um, uh, that, that was pretty much all the... Have you, either of you two got anything else you want to talk about? Because I was just going to talk about how Wrexham are doing right now. That was the last bit that I've got. Um, no, I mean, the, I, I just think the, the show overall is extremely well-structured. Uh, they, they covered yeah. a lot of really interesting things there's a few episodes where they go completely out and and like there's there's one which is just a thing on wales generally which was hilarious um uh the episode on hooligans i thought was incredibly mm, well done and yeah. you know that's something that we don't really talk about much these days because it's nowhere near as big an issue as it has been in the past but in some places it obviously is and the fact that they tackled that head on i thought was kind of interesting mm-hmm. um one one part i liked from the i think it was the penultimate episode uh when they talked about like bromances and like how men connect over football and stuff like that and that was where they did mm-hmm. uh, yet again dig into like father-son relationships and i i, I really like that um so that was that was another good piece as well so um because how many episodes were there was like 18 episodes i think so about, yeah. 18 yeah, but they, they they were quite short and they put them out in doubles. At least they did for us. So that was good. Uh, Matt, did you ever see the movie City Slickers? No, no. <laughs> it's an old old movie. It was, it was out before you were born, so I don't think you would have seen it. It's uh, Billy Crystal, a bunch of people you would recognize. Anyway, the reason is, is there's this one scene in the movie where they're all sitting around a campfire. And one of the characters is like, I never had a great relationship with my dad. When we could talk about nothing else, we could still talk about baseball. Mm. And this was after about five minutes of them going over like baseball stats and whatever. And one person that was in the group was like, "Why do you guys all remember those stats?" And he's like, "Yeah, you know, we can we can bond over this sport." Mm. Um, and that just you know that just weirdly kicked in my brain for some reason. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, like like I was saying, it's like I know nothing about the the league that they're in, but the guy that's you know divorced. He's got two kids, trying to be a good dad, trying to provide, sharing the sport with him. While I don't have kids myself, I grew up in a really big family, seen a couple, three divorces in my time. I can 100% relate to that dude. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, and I, I think that was that was the other interesting thing was the fact that the show, it wasn't just following the players. It wasn't just following Rob and Ryan. It was following specific fans that you know we dipped in and out of it was like say the the supporters pub which is right next door to the stand Mm. um you know to the stadium where you got yeah they were weren't just looking at the club and the sport it's the fact that it looks at everything that 
that club means to that town and what it means to the people of that town, um, what it means uh, as well as what it means to the players and what it means to Rob and Ryan. And um, I think looking at it from all those angles makes it a really compelling documentary series. Mm. I don't know if they're officially doing a season two, but I do hope they they're are. doing a Good. Because that needed oh, nice. a season two. Nice. Yeah. There is definitely a season two coming. Cool. Um, should I read how they're doing at the moment, or will that be covered in the second season? That will be covered in the second season. So, so uh, you, that would technically be a quite a massive spoiler. <laughs> okay, Mullen scoring some some goals. So that's what you need to know. It's a spoiler, but it's also something you could look up in on the internet in five seconds. So. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. I mean, it is something you can look up. Um, so. You know, up to you, but yes. Okay, no, but they're 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 doing well at the moment. I'll just uh, I'll just say that. Yes. And Mullen scoring some goals. Um, speaking of Mullen and strikers, which I I like to you know watch strikers score goals. It's it's quite nice. Um, Man United are in need of a new, of a new striker because a certain Ronaldo um did an interview and t- got his contract <laughs> tore up. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we're, we're now we're, we're now five. We've now gained uh five hundred grand a week because that's how much he was on. So, uh, if you want to get any amount of that money and uh, <laughs> play for Man United, um, I, I don't know how he would do in the Premier League, but he's a very good player. And uh, uh, it was interesting because he, he, when this documentary started, like he, they brought him later, didn't they? Um, I think yes. they brought him in the January transfer window. If I remember yes. how the how the so series went, it, yeah, 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 it was January, I think. Yeah, because they got mm-hmm. to that point and they they were explaining to Robin Ryan about like, hey, halfway through the season, but you can buy some players, which I always like that. And then they brought him in and he started doing pretty well. So, yeah, yeah, NFL has the same thing. They have a trade window basically from when the draft is over um, till about halfway through the season. Pretty much any team can trade for any player. Um, the two positions that are probably the close, closest to the striker of having an impact is either going to be a wide receiver or a quarterback because the quarterback runs the offense. The wide receiver, right, wide receiver is the primary scorer. Hmm. Wide receiver. That makes that just makes me think of a right or left winger. It is. Yeah. They so. they are literally on the left side or on the right side, hmm. and they move the player. And it's not a fixed position either. Somebody could be on the left wing three plays in a row. And then the next play be on the right because they want a different matchup with a defensive um, player that's on the field at the point of time. It, it's very like you know fifth brain, you know forty chess high <laughs> IQ with the player matchups. Like you'll see a massive play happen, and it's all because of this one little thing that this one other person saw and did, and boom, done. Hmm. Interesting. Um. I think that's all of our thoughts on uh, Welcome to Wrexham. I think we all really, really enjoyed it. As I said, I'd give this a strong must-see and a 10 out of 10. I thought this gave me an interesting, not new perspective on football, but a perspective that you don't see a lot of the time. Um, And I I thought it was fantastic. Uh, For those of you that have or haven't seen it, uh, it's on FX in the US. And if you're in the UK, you can watch it on uh, Disney Plus via the star thing. Uh, Just search for Welcome to Wrexham and you'll, you'll find it on there. Um, I think that's everything. Uh, if any of you have seen this or whatever, you've got any thoughts, uh, feelings, questions, comments about how Wrexham are doing, how they did, 
um, and uh, everything to do with this documentary. Uh, MatthewEntertainment.org, Twitter eTalkUK, there's a contact page, information in your show notes, email box on the website version of the episode, and a clickable email name in your show notes. In the meantime, you can find everything else that we do on EntertainmentTalk.org uh, and podcast platforms Entertainment Talk, TV, games, films, and main night podcasts, so take a look out for all of that. Uh, you can also support us by telling other people about what we're doing and where they can find it, so either by just telling them or using social media. Uh, Patreon, $5, $10 level tiers for the Afri podcast review options. Have a look out for that as well. Uh, David, you run the TV and film news uh, Geek Town website, and there's the Geek Town Awards. Uh, Would you like to tell the audience about that? Yes. So, uh, geektown.co.uk, which has all the latest TV premiere dates. We also have the um, Geek Town podcast, which is called Geek Town Radio. You can find that on your podcast channels uh we've got lots of news and stuff going up on the website at the moment uh just posted a thing about uh, what happened at dc this week running through all the various bits and pieces that dropped out uh there is a lot going on of rumors and misinformation and all that sort of stuff so i i just posted that on the website there's uh some gaming stuff gone up this week as well for uh jurassic world evolution 2 because they've got a new expansion out and i interviewed the game director for that um nice. the big thing we've got running until the end of the uh, month so end of december is the geek town awards which is geektown.co.uk forward slash awards and go on there you can vote for your favorite tv shows films and video games of the last 12 months and you'll be entered into a big prize draw <laughs> where you can win a huge box of geeky stuff which uh and there's also a runner-up box as well which uh has a smaller box of geeky stuff but uh, all you have to do is go on and vote and uh enter your details and you'll be entered into the prize or and uh you could get a call from me early in january and saying you've won so uh that's geektown.co.uk forward slash awards for that but uh podcast you can find anywhere you normally get your podcast as well as on the website as well nice and if you did hopefully also enjoy welcome to Wrexham, you can vote for that in its category so uh yes. go and do all of that if uh over there uh for other other people and other content you can find bex on twitch trista b-y-t-e-s over on twitch uh classic games retro streams and chat streams all that type of stuff and of course on other platforms as well trista b-y-t-e-s for bex uh for me on twitch over on etalk uk and YouTube Entertainment Talk Plays. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.